Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. In God's Word to the book of Joshua. Back to Joshua chapter 4, there's a theme that I want to develop here, and I want to challenge you with tonight from God's Word Concerning the glory of God, we should be doing what we're doing for God's glory and His glory alone, that all the earth may know, that God may be magnified. We pray and ask God to do things for His great namesake, Lord, that you might be known, that you might be honored and magnified through my life or through this answer to prayer, whatever we're seeking the Lord concerning in Joshua chapter 4, they, had, they were crossing over here in Joshua 3 and 4, the river Jordan headed toward the land of promise. And they crossed over and they were in Gilgal. And, and God had put it in their hearts through Joshua, his servant, to set up memorials, stones, uh, 12 stones, two memorials, 12 stones each, so that they represented each tribe of Israel, and one in the middle of the river uh, bed there when the waters came over, perpetual memorial before God, and then one on the other side, a memorial for those who would come after them. And when their children would ask them in time to come, what mean ye by these stones, chapter 4 and verse 6, then tell them what the Lord did. Tell them how God worked. Tell them how God moved and did a miraculous wonder among you. And so, as you come to the end of chapter 4, this is kind of brief rehearsal as to what God had done, and, and then the question was asked in verse 21, what mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which you dried up from before us, even until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. He said this is what God was doing. God was trying to demonstrate His power to His people, through His people, that others might know that He is the true and living God, and not only acknowledge Him and give Him glory, but believe on Him, trust in Him, humble themselves and submit themselves before Him. But make sure you've underlined this verse here, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. I was reading with amazement of how one man, they said, began to take his church that he was pastoring and, and make it more into a business model. And he became the representative, the brand, as it were, and he would chide his creative team for not promoting him more. The church grew exponentially, multi-sites. He would slip in a private entrance and exit and he had a room where he waited to speak, and then when he got done, he retreated to the room and slipped out. He never interacted with the people, and it became larger than life as he preached to 15,000 people every Sunday. But in time, it imploded. 
It all came crashing down because it was built upon a man, a personality. And a man got the glory for it because of his business acumen, his ability. But yet, he crumbled. Let's all be reminded tonight that all other ground is sinking sand. Anything that is not built upon a foundation of faith in God for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel is sinking sand. It won't last. Why won't we learn our lesson? Why would we make it about us? Why would we say, hey, look at us? No, let's not start there. Let's say, hey, look at him. Look at who he is and what he's done. That's what God is always doing for his people. He said, I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to prove myself to you. And then through you, I want to show myself to others. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect. That means upright or sincere toward him, that he may show himself strong on their behalf to them and through them. That's what God wants. And that's what we read of here. That others might know that the hand of the Lord, it is mighty, and that you might know, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. That's God's purpose in doing this work, in crossing over the River Jordan by dry land there. God could have brought them into the land of promise any other way, but he chose this way that he might show them that his hand is mighty. He's not just the God of the past. It's not what he did back years ago when they crossed the Red Sea. If God can part the Red Sea in Moses' day, God can part the River Jordan in Joshua's day. And if God can do that in their day, God can do that in our day. God can part whatever is standing before us, that which is hindering or holding us back, or that which is something that is insurmountable, something that we cannot pass through. God is not limited. God is able. God's hand is strong. It is a hand of omnipotence, all power. Nothing is too hard for our Lord. As you think of that, turn with me over to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, you'll find here David standing before the mighty Goliath. And we were talking, some folks and I recently, about a cubic. It can be, most people believe it's about 18 inches. And so if you would calculate that, then that would make Goliath 9 feet 9 inches tall, almost 10 feet tall. Some believe it may have been even taller. But one thing we know is this, is David was no match for Goliath. But we also find here that Goliath was no match for David's God. And there's a reason that God delivered Goliath into the hand of David. And it wasn't just so that others could sing David's praise, or we could learn stories about taking on the giants of our lives, and all of that is important, and there are principles to be gleaned there. But notice this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, as David went out to meet him with his sling and those five smooth stones, he said in verse number 45, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Do you see that? He said, this is why I'm going to do it. Because I want you to know, and I want everybody else to know, God does. He wants you all to know that there's one true and living God in heaven, and it is the God of Israel, the Lord God Jehovah, the self-existent one. And all this assembly, verse 47, shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. The Bible says David hasted and ran toward the army, toward Goliath. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, that we had that kind of confidence tonight in the Lord. His word cannot fail. Our God is greater. The hand of the Lord is able. God can do anything but fail, as the songwriter said. There's a God in heaven who longs to do great works through the lives of his children in this day, our day. Why? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Don't you want others to know that there's a God in shining light? It's not about man. It's not about us. It's about God. There's some things that happened here. Only God could have done it. Man don't get the credit. God gets the credit. God gets the glory for it. That's what this is all about, that all the earth may know that there's a God here. We claim his name. We claim the authority of his word. It's one thing for us to say it. It's another thing for others to see it. You claim this. Show us. Let's see. Well, let me tell you about this need that was met, this prayer that was answered, how this came about in only a way that God could have brought it about. On and on the testimony goes. That's what God wants to do through us as a testimony of his great power to others. Turn with me over to Psalm 83. Psalm 83. It's amazing as you come to this passage. Asaph was pleading to God to intervene. The enemies of the Lord had risen up against them and, and it looked like they were going to be defeated and God was silent and he's saying, Lord, where are you? Why won't you move on our behalf? And, and so as this is unfolding, you come to the very last part of this psalm even to the last verse where he says, Lord, I'm asking you to do this. Verse 18, that men may know that thou who, whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. He said, Lord, I'm not asking you to give us victory so much so we can be delivered. It's not about deliverance as much as it is about giving glory to your name. I'm more concerned that others will glorify your name and see you at work in our midst than anything else. Remember what Nehemiah said? He said, Lord, we desire this. We desire these walls to be rebuilt for your name. 
Lord, for your honor, we desire this for your good pleasure, Lord, that you would be pleased, that you would be magnified. And that's what Asap is praying here. Lord, he says in verse 16, fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Yes, I want them to see you, that they might seek you, see you work in our midst on behalf of your children as we call upon your name. He says, Lord, the main thing is that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. There's not many gods. There's not a God for this nation, a different one for the other nation. There's not a God for this religion, as it were, and then a God for this religion, or a God for this people or this country, and then a God for another people. No, no, no. There's one God. His name is Jehovah, the self-existent one, the true and living God of heaven. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He is God of gods. That's who he is. They said that they might not be blinded in their pride, their self-will, their self-righteousness, their own religion, their own false gods who are no gods. They can't deliver them. They have no eyes that they can see, no ears that they can hear. They have no power, these idols that they pray to. But we pray to the true and living God of heaven. Lord, would you hear our prayer? Move on our behalf that they might know that you are God alone. Let me ask you tonight, are you convinced that he is God? That he is God alone? That others need to know him? That God is working in your life in such a way to prove himself that you are not only convinced that he is God, but that when you testify and tell others about him, that others can hear that the God that you claim, the God that you speak of, the God of the Bible is God, the true God. One more over in Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah 37. If you'll remember... The Assyrians had come against the people of God and, and a letter from Sennacherib had been sent to Hezekiah. And it was a letter of threatening and intimidation and trying to get him to worry and fear and to cave. But he took that letter, Hezekiah did, into the house of the Lord in verse 14 of Isaiah 37. And the Bible says he spread it before the Lord and Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord. I don't know what you might have in your presence tonight. I don't know what you might have received. I've got some letters in the mail that I had to take before the Lord and give them to God and ask God to give me wisdom how to deal with it or how to take care of it or just trust God to help me and work on my behalf. But I don't know what's come into your life that God wants you just simply to take before him and say, now, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to ask you for your help with this. And he acknowledged the greatness of God. He asked for God's intervention, verse 17 and following. And then he affirmed as to who the God he was praying to really is. He acknowledged, he asked, and he affirmed. He says in verse number 
17, Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries. No one else has been able to withstand us. Neither will you and your God was the threat. And I've cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. Their idols, they would go in, the Assyrians would. They would conquer the city or the nation, and they'd take all those false idols, and they would just gather them and put them in a pile and burn them. But they're the work of men's hands. That's why wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, the self-existent one, Save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. Lord, I'm praying that you would save us, that others might know who you are. Not just so we can be delivered, but so you could be known and your name could be magnified. Why are we praying what we pray? Do we pray it for his name's sake, for his glory, that God would show himself to us? And through us to others? Is that what we're praying for? As I think about this, I summarize it in these three thoughts. Number one, God wants to show himself strong. We've established that. That's God's heart and God's desire for his children. God wants to show himself strong on our behalf. Number two, God will show himself to you so that he can show himself through you. Has God ever answered a prayer? Truly, has He? Has He answered your prayer? Has He met a need for you to where you said, this has to be from God. This could have come from no other place but God. I prayed this prayer and the prayer that I prayed actually was answered. If you'll study this text here, it unfolds. You get down in verse 21. God heard the prayer of His servant and the last part of this verse, he says, Whereas thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, God begins to tell him, Now, here's what I'm going to do. Whereas thou hast prayed to me, underline that. Because you ask, here's what I'm going to do. And I began to think just yesterday and today, what are the things that I'm assuming or hoping that God will do that I've actually never asked him to do? I've never asked him. You have not because you ask not. I've never asked the Lord. I just assumed that he might do this or do it a certain way. And, and I hope that he would. But I've never really asked him specifically. Lord, would you do this specifically on my behalf? Now think about that for your own self. What is it that God wants you to ask him for? Asking you shall receive. Asking, keep on asking is the thought there. Knocking, keep on knocking. Seeking, keep on seeking and you shall find Call unto the Lord, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, things that are hidden, things that are veiled, things that are only revealed and made known when asked for in faith, in prayer. Wow. We should ask God, no doubt, for more things more specifically. Pray a specific prayer, you'll get a specific answer, Dr. Lee Robertson always said. Number one, God wants to show himself strong 
through his children. Number two, God will show himself to you so that he might show himself through you. And then number three, God wants you to let others know what he's done for you. Are you testifying and telling others what God has done? Let me tell you this. Anytime I've ever been out on visitation, witnessing to people about the Lord, when I rehearse how God saved me, or how God gave me understanding that I needed Christ, and how God changed my life, or how God called me to preach and directed me to Bible college, while I'm testifying to them, I'm telling you, a lot of times you can tell they're receptive, they're being helped, but the one who's being helped the most oftentimes is myself. Because as I rehearse it, I'm thinking, wow, I remember all that. Lord, you have been good to me. You have been merciful to me. I come away strengthened oftentimes when I've done that. You know what the devil wants to do, our adversary? He wants to rob you of your story of what God has done in your life, either talk it down or talk you out of it or cause you to trip up somewhere along the line so that that testimony is, is in some way overshadowed by other things. That's what he's trying to do. But here's what you got to realize tonight. Your story equals his glory. When you tell others about who God is and what he's done in your life, that brings him glory. Let me ask you, have you been letting your light shine? Or have you hid it under a bushel recently? Who are you? You're, you're, you're so less than. You're, you're not the best Christian. You're, you're not as good as Christian as this person is. Just let others tell what God's done for them. I'm telling you, as long as the adversary can keep you silent, he robs God of the glory that he could be receiving through your life and your lips. How about it tonight? These people said, we want people to know that God is real. His hand is strong. There's nothing our God can't do. We want them to know that he's able to save. He's able to deliver. We want others to know who the true and living God of heaven is. How long has it been since you told someone about God, about what he's done for you? I'm telling you, that's one of the easiest ways to witness in all the world. Just tell others what Christ has done for you. Tell him how he saved you, how he opened your understanding to where you realize that it wasn't religion, it was a relationship. I couldn't go to church and get saved by the church or by baptism or by the preacher or anyone else. I had to get saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. It was a gift that had to be received by faith in Christ, believing that he died for me and that though he was buried, he rose again victorious on the third day and now he's alive forevermore and I put my faith and trust in him. Have you told someone that recently? I promise you God will use it in their lives, but he'll use it in your life as well. What about some prayer answered, some need met, some direction given from God? Testify. Tell about it. Do it among your own family members that they might hear of it. I mentioned about the memorial service the other night for Cortland's mother. How inspiring that was. And then some things I've heard since of uh, how many children, orphans, she helped through Compassion International. Nobody in the family knew about it. 
as God would provide for her, she would put it away. And then she would take these children on. She took on children that had birthdays that matched the birthdays of her and her husband and her children. And for years supported those children. Wow. I think some of us, if we're not careful, we're just, the only thing we're thinking about is where we're going to go this week, where we're going to shop, what we're going to (laughs) eat. You know, just that's what we're thinking about, just the day-to-day. Are we thinking about the glory of God? Are we thinking about the needs of others? What would God have us to do that others may know that he is the God of heaven? They said after Charles Spurgeon went home to be with the Lord, he was 57 years old. I'm 59. I think about that. I used to think that was old. Now they're so young. He died at 57. He could have been a very wealthy man. He pastored a very large church, and they had a very extensive ministry with orphanages and college and uh, so many other components to that ministry. His sermons were published weekly around the world. His books, the royalties, he could have been a very, very wealthy man. And in many ways, he's, he was, but was wealthy in things spiritual more than any other way because what he had, so much of it, he invested in others. He gave it away, widows, orphans, various funds that he, him and his wife would invest in. They said after he went home to be with the Lord, they were stunned to find out all the different people he helped while he was alive. Because he just wanted them to know he is God. God's helped me so I could help you. When's the last time you testified to someone about how God's helped you, what God has done for you? But I'll tell you what, you can't be helped by God and sit on that. (laughs) When you've been helped by God, it puts it in your heart. God does a desire to help other people, right? How can I help someone else and show them the great love of God and his mercy in my life. I told you when I was going through a time of real challenge and difficulty, disappointment, even somewhat dismayed in Bible college, I sat and ate supper with an elderly professor, Dr. Bollinger. I'll never forget he's probably uh, in his early to mid-80s then, years ago. And here I was telling him all my woes And I thought he'd be reassuring and comforting. And he was just kind of putting butter on his bread and looked up at me and said, well, Brother Cruz, every time I've kind of been in this frame of mind, I always found if I'd go out and try to serve the Lord by serving someone else who had some need, that was the best remedy for me. And my honest impression was, you're kidding me. That's what I'm doing all the time. I'm serving others all the time. I'm in Bible college. I work a bus route. I teach Sunday school. I teach junior church. I I mean, I'm, quote, serving others all the time. You know what? Hear this and I'm done. I think that's where some of us are. We're serving others all the time, but we're not serving others. If we're not careful, we're kind of in the mode. We're in the mission, the action but we're failing to connect with people one-on-one. And not only invested in them, but I promise you this, 
when you give to others, there's a blessing that God gives in return. And ministry in and of itself will wear you out. But ministry from your heart as unto the Lord and to individuals, not just groups, but individuals, because they're people. It's not just a class. It's not just a bus route. It's not just a congregation. It's people. When you invest in people from your heart as unto the Lord, you're giving the greatest testimony of who God is to you and what he's done for your life. And may others see Christ in us. God desires to show himself strong to us, that he might show himself strong through us. Are you letting your light shine, your testimony of who God is and what he's done for you? You say, well, yeah, I'm doing all these things. When's the last time you sat down with someone, just talked to someone and testified to them and was from the heart? It was not just from a lesson book. It was not just in a class setting. It was from the heart. This is who God is. And this is what he's done in my life. This is what he means to me. And I serve him because I love him. I'm not trying to work my way to heaven. Thank God for that. I would have already come so short so long ago I'd given up trying, wouldn't you? I'm not trying to work my way into heaven. I'm working because I'm already seated in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm already saved. God gave to me freely eternal life, forgiveness of sin. Surely I can give my time, my availability freely to him and to others to tell them that, hey, there is a God in heaven, and he is mighty, and there's nothing he can't do. And whatever need you have, he cares for you, and he will help you if you will look to him and trust him at this juncture of your life. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.